Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. It's not Pollyanna to acknowledge that we do have the potential to change the direction that this world is going in. Because if we if we don't have the power to change it, who does? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if if the, the bad guys, so to speak, have the gall and the audacity to think that it's inevitable that they'll make us all eat bugs. Well, I have the audacity to think I can create a different world. And, and I would really hope that other people would join me in believing in themselves just as much. That, of course, was Alison Gray, best friend of the podcast. The musician, magician, writer, and so much more is back on Post Woke, and you'll get to hear the entire conversation right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. And we're back with the one and only Allison Gray. Allison, welcome back to Post Woke. And thank you for the, what is this, 69th time for having me? <laughs> I think we're in the range of 11th. Something okay. Like that. Yeah. But it's the first of 2023. Um, so that's exciting. And I wanted to immediately point out to the listeners that one thing that has changed since we last spoke, which I believe was early December, is that you are now officially on Substack. So please tell us about that. Yes, I am. So we've discussed my website, hologrampress.com, in previous interviews. However, since then, I have made the choice to move all of my writing from Hologram Press and writing from other previous projects uh, like Unminding, Um and uh, Medium and other feminist platforms, non-feminist platforms, have it all now in one spot. That's Substack. And it's it's nice to have my entire body of work in one place now. It took me forever to set that up. So just on that note alone, I hope people appreciate it and um, subscribe to me on Substack. I would love to see everyone there. I'm sure they will. And for the record, I will include that link prominently in the show notes along with your music and I think I may also link to all your previous appearances on the show because I'm happy to say that my subscriber list keeps growing so there are people 
who have subscribed since early December 2022 who are meeting you for the first time here. So I wanted to give them some background. So if they get to the show notes, they can find all the relevant links, including, of course, your music with the with the under the moniker When Humans Had Wings. Thank you for that. Yeah. And hi to all of Mickey's new subscribers. <laughs> Thanks. So um, I we were talking earlier and one of the things that has been, a, we have a million topics we talk about, but one of the topics we we seem to come around to is, is creative uh, ventures, creation in general. And being on Substack uh, is sort of a, a motivation to keep producing some type of content because that seems to be the uh, the purpose of the platform is that people subscribe and they get a certain amount of posts or in my case also podcasts in a, on a weekly or monthly basis so um, as someone who is right now heavily engaged in writing and music creating um, how do you keep this um, pace going where it doesn't become something that you feel obligated or um, required to do, but it still flows organically, but yet you do recognize that you're producing this content for a growing audience? That is an excellent question. And the answer to that is really deep. Uh, I have come to the realization that when an artist struggles with writer's block or creative block, uh, it it means that there's something in the soul, in the psyche that needs to be worked through and your art is merely reflecting that blockage back to you. So um, yes, it is true that you could follow a formula to create things like, you know, if, if I was really having musical block, um, I could just make something up and follow a, an A, B, A, B, C format for writing a song and make something if, under obligation. But um, everyone knows that there's a big difference in the way that formulaic art feels versus inspired art. And so what I have come to uh, practicing is generating inspiration and living a lifestyle that cultivates inspiration. And so for the thousandth time, I'm going to remind your listeners that inspiration, if you break down the word, it means to have the breath of life breathed into you. Um, or you could take it a step further and say to be animated by the breath of God. So to be inspired is to be motivated by awe and by wonder right? And, and it's one of the indicators that you are really alive and really aware. And um, if you don't have inspiration, um, there are ways that you can remove the blockages in your inner world and allow that inspiration to start flowing through again. So um, if I may jump into a bit of a, a deeper explanation of, of what I'm saying here. Um, Please do. Okay. So um, recently, I've been in interesting conversations with fellow artists who confirm for me what I was learning through my own artistic process. And what we've discovered is this. Your art is kind of, not kind of, it's an initiation. 
so it's something of a spiritual path unto itself. And so, uh, for example, I have I'm friends with this genius musician, Ed Harrison, and, and without divulging anything personal, I'll just give you a surface level rendition of what he shared with me. There's an album he's been working on for 10 years. And uh, over that course of time, he eventually figured out that the reason he was running into blockages and holdups and uh, issues with this the, the creation of this album was because his art was actually in real time reflecting back to him the state of his inner world. And as he worked through what was going on in his inner world, you know, having emotional releases, um, having spiritual breakthroughs, then the album would start kind of writing itself or, or um, would become more uh, pliable and malleable to him and respond more to his intentions. And now he's finally uh, nearing the finish line with this album after 10 years of having to evolve spiritually in order for this album to even be able to come through into this world. And I have found that to be true with my own creativity. For example, on Run Rabbit Run, my first album, uh, there was one particular song that was holding up the mixing process. My engineer was having such a hard time with it. And um, not surprisingly, it was the song about how I was afraid to make music because I had always put other musicians on a pedestal and I sacrificed my own self-esteem to them and thought of them as having the right to make music and thinking of myself as not having the right to make music. And it was only when I went inward and meditated and allowed myself to really feel that and process it and let it go that suddenly my engineer figured out a way to make the song work in the mix. Hmm. And um, so then the album, you know, there were other issues with the album that, again, just directly mirrored what was going on in my psyche. And now that I'm working on my second album, Ugly, which is uh, largely inspired by the deep sea anglerfish, who I think of as like the ultimate emblem of primordial femininity. As soon as I agreed to write this album, like as soon as it, I, I committed to the concept a few months ago, guess what happened? I lost my job. And then other things started happening. It was like my life just kind of collapsed. And I found myself, metaphorically, swimming in the unknown, kind of like the anglerfish does. And it's been through the process of writing this album that I've been able to heal um, or have, have what needs to be healed shown to me through the music and it's it's through this commitment to making the music this commitment to the great work of actually addressing my shadows and integrating them that the music is actually able to come out at all so long story short i uh, yeah i i think i answered your question yeah. um <laughs> how do you how do you get from a place of making art by rote to making art that's inspired and it really is about the inner work of finding out well what's blocking you from feeling inspired. We live in a miraculous universe. So whenever we're not feeling the bliss of, of the truth of, of God's love and God's presence or our own aliveness, if you'd prefer to frame it that way, there's something that needs to be healed. There's something that's inviting you to look at it and, and speak with it and understand it. Well, thank you for that. And um, quick side note, if you want to send me links to include that, people can learn about Ed, who you mentioned, 
who might not be familiar with Ed Harrison, please do. Um, I but will. I really, I really appreciated the concept of initiation. What it meant to my ears and my mind as you were speaking was this sense of of having a vision as to and, and whatever that means to you. It could mean not to downplay anything I'm about to say. It could mean an entire album. It could mean today's Substack post. Mm-hmm. But the sense of like you recognize that this vision requires some stepping up or elevation that you you could have a vision but not necessarily feel like um I can attain it and so then you need to do the work to become a new or quote unquote better version of yourself mm-hmm. in order to make this vision happen so that's how it rang to my ear and I get, I guess um Whatever you and you and Ed could have your own perception of that, but I would imagine everyone listening could also say to themselves, "What does initiation mean?" In this sense, that's what it meant to me, and and I really love this idea. And it 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 um well, I'm gonna this is how I'm gonna frame it. It seems to be quite the antidote to the running the risk of creating something just to create it or to get caught up on the treadmill of trying to deliver the audience what you think they want. Mm. Um, But the other thing, which I'm going to lead to my question here is it sounds like it could be, and in Ed's case, it is a lengthy process. Now I know you well enough to know that you produce content relatively fast and on a regular basis. And as I said, right now you're writing and songwriting and music making and producing all almost simultaneously. But so if someone's listening to this and say, all right, I get this idea. Art and creation are part of a spiritual path, but what do I do while I'm working on initiating myself? Cause I want to keep creating. Wow. That, oh, that's a great question. Um, hmm. Well, I think a more succinct way to say what I was saying before, which also answers this question is, the greatest work is the self. You are your greatest work of art. Your artwork is a byproduct of that. So focusing on self-development and healing and self-knowledge is going to naturally produce an inclination towards creating and sharing that inspiration. Once you are animated by the breath of God, you want to breathe life into others. It's it's just a natural part of the process. It's it's an indicator that you really are in the flow. It really is life force flowing through you and it's not something artificial or manufactured or formulaic. Just the same way that a a fire, a, a candle flame lights other candles and yet maintains its own flame. Um, Mm. You ignite others with your own inspiration. Um, So yes, it is true that the greater the work of art that you are called to create, and by called, I mean by God, by the universe, by the muses, whatever you think it is that that seduces people towards um, creativity, the greater the work, the more of yourself you're you're going to have to... um, confront or to put it more nicely, uh, to meet and to integrate. Um, but that doesn't mean that there won't be room in your life for other creations, like, uh, not to downplay them, but smaller creations, like you're saying, cause you know, I am working on an album at the same time. I am also putting out essays. Um, but when you're in the flow, uh, 
adding to one doesn't take away from the other. And in fact, um, if anything, they inform each other. Like right now um, uh, on Substack recently, I talked about immortality. I found very, very, very compelling material written by people who claim to be immortal. And uh, intuitively, I find that I feel that they're telling the truth, that they are onto uh, the immortal current, as they would call it. And it's their their uh, devotion to that path then inspired me to write about it. And then that the writing about it actually then inspired more of my album because it got me thinking about what it means to generate your own light. And what does the anglerfish do? She generates her own light in the darkness. And so it all, um, all of those different creative streams kind of informed each other the way that they say that all waterways are ultimately connected. I think it's the same with creativity. There, there's a very interesting thing that happens with artists where, um, Oh, man, I hope I articulate this right, because this is so important to understand. I first learned this when the uh, scandemic started. You know, uh, people were really focused on the 3D, as we might call it, the so-called objective reality or consensus reality that the world was ending and the economy was falling apart and we were going to have to eat bugs soon. And, you know, people were, were on this doomsday narrative. And in in the shared consensus reality, most people couldn't see a way past that. Most people thought it was inevitable that the world was ending, right? Because how how can we connect and create any sort of meaningful pushback against the NWO agenda when we're all isolated and at home and stuff like that? So they were thinking in very um, strictly physical terms. However, around that time when I started really deepening my devotion to art, and connecting with other artists, I would collaborate with other artists and in that process find that in the choice to create with other artists, you enter a liminal space together, uh, a metaphysical space. It's, it's beyond the limits of physical location. You know, I've, I've collaborated with artists uh, in other states, in other countries, and when we're in that flow together, we enter this space where whatever's happening in the world, whatever celebrity gossip is currently popular or whatever political stories are running rampant on social media dashboards suddenly don't matter. Quite literally, they stop mattering. They stop materializing. And all that matters is what you're creating. And um, so I think that's by design. There's something about the act of creation and the fact that it's divinely inspired that makes it so that you are able to access this sort of in-between world, this this other realm, this spiritual space, where you can literally create a new reality through your art, through symbols, and through uh, a spiritual connection that kind of makes whatever's going on in the physical world irrelevant. And um, so for that reason, uh, if I'm not getting too far away from your question, um, you know, you can create it's just about being in the flow and maintaining multiple projects isn't difficult when you're genuinely mm. aware of how powerful creation is and and how much there is to to create about like when you're inspired you see potential in everything you you see Absolutely. the potential for songs and writing and paintings and books and all of that so yeah i i, I really appreciate that answer and I, it's something that I believe strongly in where it's, you, we have the permission 
to define creation any way we choose. It's a fluid concept. And so it, when you're working on your magnum opus that may take you 10 years, that's mm-hmm. again, it's not downplaying anything you do in the interim, but there are, creation takes an, an infinite number of forms. So you can, and the idea that one is going to take you away from the other is not something I believe in either. It's, it's, it's all feeding together. And one thought that I've had for, since I really, really got serious into writing all the way back in my twenties where people would encounter me. And I, let's say in that time period, I was really, really big into writing screenplays and I've optioned a handful of screenplays. And that's something that I continue doing. If anyone is listening, I'm getting in touch. Um, but mm-hmm. I would also be writing for martial arts magazines. Now that type of writing, this is pre-internet I'm talking about. So they were monthly magazines, but I would have articles every month in some martial arts magazine somewhere in the world. And people would ask me, um, people who wanted to be writers, lots of people want to be writers. And, and they would ask me, how do you keep producing like this? And um, how do you, don't you ever get writer's block? And this mm-hmm. is where I think it connects to what you said is my answer to them. And I wasn't trying to be clever. My answer to them was simple. If I ever feel anything approaching writer's block, then I write about writer's block. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like there's, I can talk about that. So if, if I were producing a, an album, let's say I'm going to transfer myself to your state where I'm simultaneously writing and producing music. And if I hit this um, snag in my music production, then I could write about it on Substack of like, oh, something interesting happened today. I was cruising along with this production and then an unexpected mindset came into place and I need to recalibrate. And then that allows you to continue um, creating in a parallel way that's feeding each other without feeling like you're taking away and definitely without feeling that you've run out of things to say or do. Mm -hmm. And one other thing to add in there, which you mentioned is anyone that knows me and increasingly my, my Substack subscribers are picking up on this is that I live in New York city and I, so therefore I walk everywhere and I look at every walk as a photo opportunity. Like when I'm walking Mm -hmm. around, even if I'm in the same neighborhood five days in a row doing ultimately, I never take the same walk. Just that's another thing you could do creatively is always take different routes to places because you see different things and get inspired. But I'll take pictures of something that I walked past one day that didn't catch my eye, but the next day it did. And if you look at walks, for example, um, as an as an opportunity to create a photograph, it starts to change how you see things where you realize that 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 you're surrounded by creativity and inspiration. And you also realize that you have in you um, a limitless amount of ways to express your creativity. Yeah. And I, I like that you described it as um everything feeding into each other because that the wonderful thing about the interconnectedness of creativity is if you have a million ideas but you haven't yet brought them from that cerebral space into an embodied space where you're actually acting on your ideas the great thing is you can just start on any of your project ideas and the rest may indeed come rolling out of you naturally um because that's just 
how art works. Like, you know, once you're in the flow in one area of your life, the same way that if you have a million things in your life that you need to unfuck, like let's say your sleeping schedule is fucked and your eating patterns are fucked and everything's fucked, then if you feel overwhelmed by how many things you have to change at once, if you just focus on one, the rest may fall into place but like a domino effect because... Okay, I'll give you an example. Like, I've never had a great relationship with food until recently. Um, and I feel that my devotion to my creative path is part of what started making me inspired to get in the kitchen more recently. And lately, I've been treating cooking like any other art form. Like, oh, I wonder what I can make today. I wonder how I can make it my own. I wonder how I could combine these flavors. Like, suddenly I'm seeing cooking the way I might see writing an interesting story or creating an mm. interesting um, a musical arrangement. So um, like if, if you, for a lot of people, like if, if they have a lot of things kind of falling apart in their life, if they focus on one thing, let's say you focus on just making sure you get sleep, you start sleeping at 10 PM and wake up at 7 AM. Let's say that's your goal. Once you start feeling well rested, it's going to be a lot easier mm -hmm. for you to take care of yourself in other ways, start working out again and start socializing again, you know, but just start somewhere, like devote yourself to something. I, I think that's a missing key in um, postmodern life. Uh, people are not really conscious of what they devote themselves to, what they worship, so to speak. And if you can consciously choose something to um feel driven about and to allow yourself to really just dive into with passion and with purpose then you'll you'll discover parts of yourself that have been waiting to come out you know waiting to meet the world so um things have a way of working out when you allow them to i i fully concur with that and i'm glad you brought up cooking mm -hmm. because it, again sure people watch cooking shows and inherently recognize that there is a clear craft involved there, but maybe they don't transfer that over into their life. And if if they're looking for an entry point into a more creative life, everyone eats every day. I mean, I certainly hope they do. And um, there's an entry point because you're not even necessarily adding much to your schedule because you were going to I mean, unless you just constantly ordered in, you were going to shop and cook and prep and clean up afterwards anyway. So why not turn that into a creative venture? The same could be with how you design your living space, how you choose to dress, what you do with your hair. Like the possibilities are ever present in daily life where we have the where we have an entry point that if you don't if you're not ready to start a podcast or write a song or whatever artistic venture is really your ultimate goal, you may um, and you may begin an artistic life in any point in your day. Mm -hmm. And the two things will happen to tie into what you say. It'll inspire you towards those, those goals, writing the song, let's say, but then also help you recognize that there isn't a hierarchy here where mm -hmm. when you're, creating when you find this incredible recipe and then you put your own unique twist to it um that could be and often is just as satisfying as the song that you write and you're not measuring yourself up against necessarily what's considered mainstream um quote-unquote art because sure you want to make you 
I can understand if people want to make money doing what they're doing, but the, the people who are putting out this high concept mainstream art to me aren't the role models. It's it's if the role model is anyone who finds um, inspiration and creativity in everyday life and makes a conscious, intentional choice to say, "This is how I want to live." And sure, maybe I currently right now go to this job five days a week, but there's other times that I can make these intentional choices to feel and live more creatively. Yeah. And I love that framing of um, art being accessible through any point of your everyday life. Because in fact, um, again, from my conversation with Ed, I I hope you have him on your podcast because he's he's brilliant. I'd Um, love to. Yeah. So uh, to steal one of his ideas real quick. he was talking about how uh like the subconscious um a lot of our bodily processes are subconscious and um if you think about it like most spiritual traditions um they the goal of them is to become as conscious as possible so if you think about like what monks do they walk mindfully and they eat mindfully and they think mindfully and it's it's as if their goal is to have no unconscious thoughts or behaviors ever again and some might think that that's extreme but um what is art if not an invitation to become conscious of what's going on in our subconscious mind? That's, you know, that's why art is symbolic. Our 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 subconscious minds speak in symbols. It, just look at what your average dream content looks like. Dreams are highly symbolic and cryptic, and um, they are almost from this like pre-verbal space of just shapes and colors and feelings that are really only coherent to the person having the dream. And so um, there's a practice called lucid dreaming where you can become more aware. You can recall more of your dreams every night. You can become aware that you're dreaming while you're dreaming and then enjoy your dream by, by actively and consciously making intentional choices while you're dreaming that then carry over into your waking life. Um, you can resolve all sorts of problems in your lucid dreams. People heal addictions through lucid dreaming practice and whatnot, because it ultimately, just like art, lucid dreaming is the the ongoing practice of making the unconscious conscious. And so, um, you know, your sleep, like like your dreams at night could be an access point into art. Um, I think I lost my train of thought there, but that's okay because yeah. <laughs> because I, I think people are picking up what I'm putting down. You know? Yeah. And all right. So it's a perfect time for me to cut in where I, w- I do want to make a recommendation where on the topic of dreaming very recently, you suggested a book to me. And so just by way of background, I am someone who for the at least half my life seemed to have as many dreams and remembered as many dreams as perhaps the quote unquote average person. And at a point where I can't pinpoint and I have a really good memory, but I can't pinpoint something changed where obviously I continued to dream, but it was a, it was a rarity that I would remember them. So Mm -hmm. you recommended this book really recently to me. It's called the alchemy of your dreams by a woman named Athena Laz, L-A-Z. I'll put the link in the show notes. And I read it, um, 
as mindfully as I could over the course of perhaps three or four days. And by the third or fourth day, or I should say night, I my dreaming shifted. And the first week after reading this, I'm, I'm not going to say I slipped into lucid dreaming knowingly. I, I can't say that. But within three or four days, I was waking up and fully remembering at least one, if not two dreams. And it was such a wonderful gift. Mm-hmm. And so to tie it back to our main conversation, what it did for me was twofold where um, – as like everyone in the world, there's always a million things going on in my life and the people surrounding me. And the symbolism of my dreams, in some cases, were very helpful in terms of me trying to process this stuff. But then in a creative way, a dream is like, a, is like going to a surrealist movie. Yeah. Where, and so when you leave the theater after seeing this, this trippy movie, if you allow yourself you'll probably on the way home conjure up at least a poem or you'll see something, you'll see a street sign that is maybe got hit by a car and is tilted in a unique way and you'll want to take a picture of that or whatever it Mm. might be. You'll suddenly have these doors of perception open up because of this trippy movie. Well, guess what? You can have a trippy movie every single night. And if you actively work, yeah, made just for (laughs) you. And if you, and I'm living proof that after, uh, I, I don't know, at, at two decades of not remembering my dreams, I'm starting to remember them on a regular basis. And it has clearly enriched my life. So I will add the link to that book in the show notes if anyone is interested. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. And I'm so glad to hear whenever you give me updates on a dream you remembered, because um, I have always put a lot of stock in my dreams. Um, I've only recently started taking lucid dreaming seriously as a practice, but dream recall is something that has always come pretty naturally to me. And um, I find my dreams way more fascinating than uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm told to find interesting. Like I don't, I don't really find myself enamored by popular TV shows or movies, but when I have an interesting dream, all I want to do is talk about that (laughs) dream. And, you know, I think actually that would make a great segue into what else I think I should mention um, because we keep talking about inspiration, but um, the plain fact is uh, a lot of people are not really familiar with the feeling of inspiration. And so they might hear us talking about it and not really register what it is that we're getting at or why it's important. Um, So, and especially, ooh, especially because we live in uh, a culture saturated with what's called inspiration porn, where Mm. the same way that we've talked about how sexual pornography desensitizes people to their own arousal and then makes sexuality is something that they're kind of numb to. I think the constant consumption of inspiration porn, like on social media and and in the news and whatnot, um, makes it so that people can no longer tell the difference between genuine divine inspiration versus formulaic inspiration, Mm -hmm. right? Like inspiration that's manufactured by like a media mogul who, who knows which emotional buttons to push to make people want to donate money. You know what I mean? So when we talk about inspiration, um, Inspiration is unique to everybody. What inspires you is not necessarily going to inspire somebody else. And over time, as we get adulterated, you know, as we become adults and then we are corrupted by our own cynicism and our own self-imposed limits, um, we 
we start to abandon the things that inspire us because, say, people think that we're silly for finding things inspiring or people think we should stop, you know, get our head out of the clouds and get grounded in the real world, so to speak. And so as children, it's very easy to find inspiration in everything. And so what I recommend is um, recalling what your your child self was motivated by, uh, what your child self sought out as interesting and fascinating. Um, that's one way to get back in touch with the feeling of inspiration. There's another method that I got into. I got this idea from Carolyn Elliott, keeping an inspiration book. So um, anytime you find that a work of art or a quote or a moment that you had with a loved one or literally anything uh, jolts your heart full of life for a second, like, oh, like like that, that mm -hmm. feeling of like your heart suddenly blooming open that's inspiration. And so if you start keeping track in your inspiration book of the things that make you feel that feeling, and then you review the book, you'll start to see a common thread. So for me, in my inspiration book, I have found that I am very inspired by astrology. I'm often, I often feel that feeling in my heart of like, whoa, after having a really good conversation about astrology or having a realization about my own natal chart or somebody else's natal chart, for whatever reason, the stars and the mythology of the stars and how we are the living embodiments of the stars, that fills me with so much inspiration to the point where I wrote a whole musical album inspired by uh, a realm of Sagittarius called Jayesha Nakshatra that was Run Rabbit Run. So um, once you get back in touch with that part of yourself that can feel inspiration and you can recognize it in the moment, then once you start to recognize that you're inspired when you're inspired, then you can act on it and start making art. But until you make that connection and become conscious of the fact that you're inspired, the same way that lucid dreaming is about becoming conscious that you're dreaming while you're dreaming, um, until you do that, you may still find yourself disconnected from mm. your ability to create in the flow. Excellent. Thank you. And I'd like to tie together two things as we get relatively close to wrapping up here. Um, I want to tie together what, everything you just said with the comment you made a little bit earlier. Um, just in terms of recognizing where you're inspired, I, I love the idea of tapping into your inner child. And another little bit of advice that I would sometimes give people or myself is to is to take full notice when you're doing something and you lose track of time doing it because mm -hmm. that's because it unfortunately as you get older that happens less and less and i don't mean necessarily losing track while you're scrolling your phone on instagram or something yeah. and i'm not getting judgmental about that but i'm just pointing out that's not what i mean and earlier you were talking about that sort of monk like meditation where you walk mindfully you do the dishes mindfully and you said to some people that may sound extreme and i would counter saying what sounds extreme what should sound extreme perhaps for all of us is to just simply go through the motions and not even recognize that mm. you got from point a to point b by taking steps or that you that a moment of inspiration happened and you kind of just let it pass. That to me sounds like an extreme choice in a negative way, but, but choosing to be mindful allows you by, it's a strange juxtaposition, but when you're, when you do your best to be present in the current moment, you know where you are, but you also could lose track of time. It's, it's a, 
it's because it depends on what you what time means to you, I guess, to some degree. But I I, I love that suggestion there, where it's it's just being as intentional as mindful as possible to to never miss an opportunity to be inspired or at least get that notebook out and recognize oh i this happened and i felt inspired and then going back and looking for trends that could point you in any direction and also inspire a song a painting a photograph a substack post whatever it might be because you're going through your own personal uh journal and saying Oh, I want to write about this. Even just writing about the journal is an inspiration. So um, I do. I, I would love to say one thing about uh, a point you made there. Uh, the losing track of time phenomenon is that liminal space I referred to earlier, where mm. the physical world and all of its limits, including the limit of time and space, just cease to exist when you're in the flow and you're creating, especially when you're creating with one or more other artists. Um, that is what is referred to as the zero point in magic. And the zero point is where you create your desired reality from. So there are actually meditations that you can do to take your consciousness into that state of being that is called the void, where anything is possible from there. And art is one way you can access the zero point inspiration, I should say, is is um, one way you can access it, meditating, um, you know, that sort of thing. But it, it all, everything we're talking about, lucid dreaming and, and creation and all of this, it all points back to our creative potential, um, which it's so, 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 so important for people to remember that they have that in this day and age where um, everything's looking kind of hopeless. You know, it's not Pollyanna to acknowledge that we do have the potential to change the direction that this world is going in, because if we if we don't have the power to change it, who does like, mm -hmm. you know, if if the, the bad guys, so to speak, have the gall and the audacity to think that it's inevitable that they'll make us all eat bugs. Well, I have the audacity to think I can create a different world. And, and I would really hope that other people would join me in believing in themselves just as much. Amen to that. You just, you just wrapped up the podcast right there. <laughs> that, that was absolutely perfect. And I just want to quickly say to the listeners that as of now, they should expect to hear Allison again soon on a very, like on a podcast much usually you do like every six or seven episodes but you might be coming back sooner than that we'll, we'll explain all those details when the time comes but um i hope that people who've been listening for the whole time uh, to my to post woke um are already familiar with Allison, but welcome to all the new people and and all the relevant links to Allison's Substack. And she's mentioned Run Rabbit Run and and her musical project When Humans Had Wings. All those links will be in the show notes. And I can't recommend highly enough that you take the time to click through that. And I Aww. dare I dare say that you will find inspiration in that, and you it will it will uh, motivate you to tap into your own versions of creativity. But Allison. As always, an absolute pleasure, and thank you for likewise. Making, and thank you for making time to be here. And we will be talking again soon. Yes, we will. Thank you again and again for having me. Thank you to all your lovely people for listening, and uh, can't wait to be back on the podcast soon. Yes, I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor.
Hey, Mickey Z here. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke, because Post Woke is more than this podcast, which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Post Woke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you are getting quality content at least once a day, all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, Check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool, kick-ass shirt, and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and Substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word, and let's get back to the show. In a spoken word poem called My IQ, Ani DeFranco began, when I was four years old, they tried to test my IQ. They showed me a picture of three oranges and a pear. They said, which one is different? It does not belong. They taught me different is wrong. So after our conversation with Allison today, I want to remind you that it is artists who help prove otherwise. They help prove that different is not wrong. Different is essential. It is artists and real activists who can help challenge the American dream myth. You know, the fable of individualized success. If you just work hard enough and fight your way past the competition, this is the land of opportunity. Anything is possible for everyone. If you succeed, it's because you deserved it more than others. This myth is superficially helpful for praising success, but quite damaging for explaining alleged failure. If you quote-unquote fail, the blame is all on you, with no mention of a system designed in many ways to suppress you. I say it's long overdue that we do away with this divisive concept of the American dream and cultivate new, more realistic American dreams, plural. Dreams not for sale to the highest bidder. Dreams not based on material consumption or physical beauty. Dreams that promote and extol unity and collective success while maintaining our individuality and independence. Dreams that challenge humans to think for themselves and about others. And dreams that remind you to keep your guard up. 